0: Yeah. For me, I think every day I try to start out with some type of workout. And obviously, if I'm up and working early in the morning, then then it's something that gets pushed off a bit later into the day. But I find that anytime I start my day off with some exercise or like a good sweat, it just seems to feel like a better day. I'm a little bit less irritable. I feel like a little bit more relaxed, just that maybe I've gotten up and, and accomplished something right away. I don't know. For me, especially right now, it's just focusing on simple things it's almost overly simple just because there's not all that much to do but i kind of i get up and get some exercise and if i have to work i go to
1: work and if i don't then usually i go golfing and welcome back to another episode of the podcast from the depths of darkness to the light of success i'm your host chris swick in this podcast we talk about mental health addictions suicide awareness whatever stigma there is to break i'm here to break that stigma make people afraid not to talk about those things so anyways i would love to introduce to you my next guest former captain of the guelph storm garrett mcfadden you want to take it away and let him know a little bit about yourself please garrett Sure. Yeah, I was, I was born in
0: Owen Sound, raised in Chesley for the first part of my life, and then moved to Kincardine when I was seven. Played minor hockey through Kincardine and and then Great Bruce Islanders. I got drafted to Guelph in the first round in 2013, and then went on to play five years in the OHL with the Storm, captain and two of them. Pretty pretty cool junior career. Lucky to be in one spot. And yeah, that's I guess that's what I got on me. I'm at Acadia University now. Just. Still playing hockey and just finishing up my business
1: degree and working away at that. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm up to now. And i like to break off the show and start the show off is, how is your mental health today, Garrett?
0: I, I definitely can't complain right now. I feel pretty good, actually. I just was up this morning and had a good workout, and now I'm going off to work. I work at a golf course, so it's it's pretty laid back, so... Feeling pretty good. I feel like of the days we've been dealing with recently, especially throughout the pandemic, it almost feels the more time passes on, like the closer we are to the end of the tunnel there. It's a bit easier to wake up every day, knowing that things are starting to come around and obviously get a lot better. I think, yeah, for me, it's, I just feel like it's hard not to feel good.
1: No, most definitely. It's, it's nice, especially with the nicer weather coming and stuff like that in the summers we have up here in Ontario. What is a, a day-to-day look like for you taking care of yourself, like your self-care and stuff like that to keep that mental health in check? Like you've just mentioned working out and stuff. What else do you do? Yeah, for me, I think every
0: day I try to start out with some type of workout. And obviously if I'm up and working early in the morning, then, it, then it's something that gets pushed off a bit later into the day. But I find that anytime I start my day off with some exercise or like a good sweat, it just seems to feel like a better day. I'm a little bit less irritable. I feel like a little bit more relaxed, just that maybe I've gotten up and, and accomplished something right away. I don't know. For me, especially right now, it's just focusing on simple things. It's almost overly simple just because there's not all that much to do, but I kind of I get up and get some exercise. And if I have to work, I go to work. And if I don't, then usually I go golfing. And it's a pretty easy life right now. And it's been the... Been I guess the trend for the last few weeks, since I've gotten home, I was out in Nova Scotia until like late April. And and now that I've been back for a good month or two, it's just starting to feel like routine and at this point (laughs) there's nothing, I can't really complain about anything that's going on in my routine. So it's been nice to keep me level.
1: No, that's awesome to hear. And just like that, that, like you say, that routine, if you don't have, I find if you don't have routine or structure in your life, that's when Things started to fall apart for myself personally. I can't speak for anyone else, but if I don't have routine, I I start to fall apart and start doing things out of the ordinary. I find, I don't know about yourself, but routine's key for me too. Yeah, absolutely. Even just relating back to when the pandemic started, it was
0: like, I felt like I didn't have a routine and for the majority of the first half of it. And then yeah, I kind of went back to school and we were lucky being out east that cases weren't so bad we were able to have a, a hybrid style campus delivery so I, was, I had an opportunity to get into class and get back to practicing and i think for the first couple of months i paid a lot of dividends in terms of how i was feeling and and then obviously like we didn't have a season last year so it was a bit disappointing and that routine eventually got a bit irritating for me <laughs> almost and I almost needed to change where it was like you're going to the rink of practicing you're working out but that you're never playing any game. so it was I think that point became frustrating Had to reset and be like okay I need to find other things and create a routine in that way and other stuff that's going to distract me from the fact that I'm not really doing things exactly how I want them to go but no definitely I'm, I'm a huge routine person I think a lot of athletes are too and, and can relate to that that you're at your best when you find a routine that is easy and almost effortless. And I I don't love a lot of change, but I think change is also good just to, you know, have that incorporated into your routine too.
1: Most definitely. No, I do appreciate a good routine as well myself, like I said. So let's talk a little bit about the McFadden movement. How did that concept, you know, or idea come about? Yeah, it was, like I
0: said, I played five years
1: for the Gulf Storm
0: and My first year, I was on a really good team and I was just the first year guy and I didn't play very much and I looked for other ways and other things to distract me. I guess during that first year and started doing a lot of the community events and some library readings and whatever I could in terms of doing that type of stuff and I really enjoyed it and I loved interacting with fans and young kids and I think kind of immediately realized like what kind of impact that we as junior players, I don't know, we don't really realize like how much influence we have on young kids and the things that they learn and, and how they grow up. And I guess fast forward like three years, staying involved as much as I could and creating a really close relationship with Steph Karate, who was doing the community relations stuff. We were just brainstorming before the, the start of our fourth, my fourth year. And just, I pitched the idea of doing something geared towards mental health and we spent the next few months planning and configuring how we wanted that to look and, you know, exactly what our goals were and where we wanted to focus. And I guess out of those meetings is where we established McFadden's movement. And then just going from there, it's been an evolving thing where, you know, for a long time I was doing a lot of public speaking and and talking. And now with COVID, there's a bit less of that and, and more about, standing on our toes and trying to figure out ways to generate some funds for a couple of of foundations and and raise money for the betterment of mental health.
1: And does mental health hold a close place to your heart? Like why mental health? Why did you choose mental health at the time?
0: Yeah, when I was in grade nine, we had a family friend who died by suicide, a close friend of my older sister's and his name was Wes Cameron. He was also a, a hockey player in the same organization as I was at the same time. Yeah, it was, I think for the That was my first, you know, realization, I think about what exactly mental health was and how important it was. And also I think how people could struggle without anyone knowing and and without anyone even realizing people have their battles and stuff like that. And honestly, it it hit me really hard and I just couldn't really believe something like that could even happen. And yeah, I guess that's a moment where I was like, Hey, this is something that's important to me and this is something that I need to focus on obviously take care of it in myself, but also in those around me. And that kind of followed me along for, from grade nine when I was, I, I would say, you know, I'm 14 or 15 years old, yeah, 14 years old to all the way through, especially in my time in junior, like the ups and downs and also all the different things that you see your teammates go through or, or friends of yours or, or anything like that go through. It's, it's definitely something that's pretty prevalent I'd say in junior hockey and also in just being a teenager and going to high school and doing all those things. So it was important to me and something in the back of my mind. And then when I had an opportunity and a platform to speak on something I cared about, it was an easy choice to choose mental health.
1: And so what types of things are you doing today with McFadden Movement? Like you've put on a golf tournament now the last couple of years. You got another one coming up this year as well. Yeah, the, actually, this is their first, first
0: golf tournament last year was supposed to be our first. And then we ended up doing like a virtual thing. So like I said, we've, we've been put on our toes a little bit, just with a lot of our events that we, we do are based around getting people together. And, and we did a road hockey tournament three years in a row, starting the first year that we started McFadden's movement. And that was obviously a great event. We had a lot of the storm alumni and a lot of buddies of mine come out and and obviously the kids too, and we raised. Be a great event. We raised lots of money and, and also just a good time for everyone to reconnect and and enjoy themselves. We, we did some fifty fifty stuff and some different kinds of fundraisers and a few virtual events throughout COVID, we put on like an EA sports, NHL, like Xbox tournament, but yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I did a lot of public speaking to start. Like I would go into schools and talk to like different age groups or grades in schools and also. I would go in and talk to minor hockey teams and minor sports associations and stuff like that. I guess initially it was so small room, like it would be me with a group of 20 kids and I think the cool part about that was just being pretty well known in Guelph and a lot of the kids are looking up to you and treat you like you're almost, call it an A-list celebrity, (laughs) just to boost my ego a little bit. But the kids knew exactly who you were and I think at that point they just didn't they couldn't understand that anyone playing in the OHL or playing for the like Guelph Storm or, or whatever team in the OHL could have bad days or could have struggles. Like I think it was a, a cool opportunity for me to go in and say, You might see me on the ice on a Friday night at the sleeman Center and, and things look fine, but what you don't realize is that through the week I was in high school with a bunch of kids who I'd never met before and I had other stuff going on at home that living away from home and I'm also living with people who I really haven't met before is dealing with all of these things. And I think it opened the eyes of a lot of kids and made them realize that there's, we struggle too. So not to worry about anytime time they're feeling down or anything like that. And then also as an opportunity, I think for me, just to talk to the kids about what things worked for me when I was feeling stressed or when I was dealing with adversity and tell stories about my times of difficulty in the OHL. And yeah, I think it. it hopefully open the door to a lot of conversations where if the, the kids were feeling bad, they could go to a coach or go to a teammate or go to their parents or anything like that and just have a conversation. And I guess that was a goal initially. And then on top of that, we wanted to obviously raise some money for mental health too.
1: And yeah, you've seemed to have come a long ways with the McFadden movement. And it's nice to see the welcoming from the community here in Guelph as well. And they still welcome you back with open arms, it seems like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was super lucky to be there for five years. I stayed with the same bill of family. I made a, a ton of friends, and I also got to know a ton of people within the community, and and obviously through the movement and through events that we put on. I've I've been able to meet a ton of tremendous people who, you know, are either volunteers or help by sponsoring events and create those relationships where, yeah, I definitely feel welcome back. I, I, Guelph was one of my favorite cities, and. I guess it ties a, ties a big connection into who I am now. And I think you, when you come to play J hockey in a city, you come as a kid, a pretty, pretty naive. And I think back a lot to the times when I was 16 and thought I had it all figured out and especially when I was leaving as a 20 year old, it was just like, oh my God, I can't even picture myself and the thoughts that were, would be going through my mind. If you told me this is what it would be like when I was 16 and it connects you to a city and, and like I said, there's lots of guys that are privileged to play in the OHL for four or five years, but not all with the same team, and I was lucky enough to, to be grounded and stay in one place uh, the entire time, and obviously, I'm super thankful for that.
1: Yeah, and there was always some great battles down that Highway 7 rivalry years with Kitchener, my hometown. Yeah, we definitely
0: had some battles. I know my first year, we took it to them pretty well, and I think our second year, we probably split, and then after that, they must have got the better the better of us, but it was always fun. It almost, it was, it'd be a weird road trip. And it's funny, like now I play with a bunch of guys that played in the Western League or the Q and and they just can't imagine a 20, 25 minute road trip. These
1: guys are on sleeper buses driving 14 hours to games. And I'm like, Well, oh, I, yeah, they like, 20 hour bus trips from Seattle all the way to Manitoba and stuff like that. And Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's exactly it. And I'd be like, oh yeah, we like, honestly, we could have probably just throwing our stuff in the back of a moving van and hopped in their cars together and just showed up to the rink it almost felt like, especially when you're 60 you're packing the bus and getting everything ready you're like you pack the bus at, at the saleman center and then we get on the highway and like sit down and play a couple songs and you're on your phone or whatever you are listening to music then all of a sudden you're there you gotta unpack the bus again and be like oh my god i just sat down but yeah i know it was we were lucky i love playing a kitchen here too and I've got some family close to there too. It was always nice to, I was, you know, pretty pumped when I got drafted to Guelph. It was honestly the, almost the closest OHL center other than it went down to my hometown in King Gardens. Yeah, I knew like my parents could get down a lot and, and obviously they love coming, coming to Kitchener too because it's just as close. So,
1: No, that's amazing, man. And it was nice to have those rivalries because I always enjoyed just taking the trip down in my car to watch a game at the Salim Center. Even though I live in Guelph now, that's where my partner's from. Her oldest brother used to be the captain of the storm in the early 2000s, so. Yeah, it's a good little trip. Like,
0: uh, yeah, couldn't Can, complain. Even, like, some of the other cities, too, that are nice and close, like Mississauga or Hampton. Obviously, we don't play them very much because they were in the other conference. But, yeah, no, it's nice to be central. <laughs> like I said, talking to <laughs> some of my buddies. And, yeah, we were on, like, 14-day road trips and, like, we had tutors on the bus to help us with school. It's, oh, my God. We probably stayed, I don't know. I bet you I stayed in a hotel, like, 40 nights in my whole ohl career which is just guys would do that and in, in three in the first half in the queue or something like that it's, it's pretty crazy
1: yeah for sure so who did you emulate growing up who was your favorite player and who did you emulate yourself after
0: that's a good question i, I obviously loved hockey when i was little and my favorite player like growing up was always mad sundin like i was a huge mad sundin fan obviously like when I became a defenseman, I got kind of older and it was like, okay, I want to pick a favorite player who I want to try and play. It was always Ryan Ellis. I remember like being a young kid and obviously seeing him with, with Windsor, what, how good of a team they were. And then also watching him run the power play for the rope two years and stuff like that for a couple of years, it was, it's pretty unbelievable. So yeah, he, he was definitely a, a guy that, I, you know, followed pretty closely, I think growing up and then, you know, that was, Oh, at the same time, I think of, of Drew Doughty's emergence as a probably the top defenseman in, in the NHL for a lot of years too. So he was another guy that I looked at a lot. And then when I got drafted to Guelph, it was pretty cool just to be a part of the same organization as him and hear stories about him as a player and, and also as a teammate and stuff like that. So there's tons of guys <laughs> that I obviously was a big fan of. And I think that's just part of you know loving hockey and just wanting to take bits and pieces from from a lot of different talented guys repertoire and yeah i guess that would be the result
1: that's yeah no it's funny you say drew Doughty. my dad and i were just having that conversation on father's day he even said that he knew when he saw drew Doughty playing he's i knew that guy was going to be a defense like a, a world-class defenseman from the get-go just when you see him moving that puck and stuff like that you know my dad had coached many good players growing up too like he coached Michael Hoffman and those types of guys and stuff like that in Kitchener and Mark Shifley and but he just knew Drew Dowdy. once he saw him play on the ice he knew he was going places right away
0: yeah he was a pretty polarizing talent like they talk about him obviously all the time and they see video of him and the stuff that he was doing in that league it's just oh my god you couldn't even imagine trying some of it but obviously he had the not only the confidence, but the talent to back it up. So it was, yeah. I think for a lot of people, they kind of knew he wasn't going to be in Guelph for long. And obviously, uh, it's pretty cool to
1: that he's Storm alumni, and yeah, love Washington play. most definitely. No, and it's nice to see these guys, and you get to see and hear these stories as he came into Guelph as well. So, what does life look like after hockey for you? Like after you're done university, you're taking, you're finishing up a business degree down there. But do you have plans? to go somewhere with that after hockey sort of thing, after you've done your university career? Yeah, like, I would like to keep playing for a bit, and I think the plan for me is
0: just to give North American pro hockey uh, a chance, and obviously we're pretty lucky that when we graduate from the OHL, we also graduate with a scholarship or school package, they call it, and it's a great opportunity, I think, one, to get educated and then have that to be able to fall back on as a plan B, and and two to also continue playing really high level hockey. Like I said, I play for KD University now, and I play on a team with that's made up of ninety percent major junior players that were uh, just like me, and I'd argue that our league is pretty close to ninety percent former major junior guys, and so it's it's high level hockey, and it's still a place where you can develop and and get better and still feel like you have a chance to go and make a career to hockey so for me i haven't really given up that dream yet and i'd like to you know play hockey for as long as i can and do well and hopefully make it make a nice living and if it means playing in north america for a long time and that would be great and if not there's lots of hockey to be played overseas and, and lots of cool places to go overseas so it's obviously i think the first thing that I'll focus on and things don't really work out then there's nothing to worry about because I have a business degree I can start a job hopefully anywhere if I don't choose to keep working in hockey and start coaching or do something like that then it's just nice to be able to say I'm educated and I have a university degree and I don't know exactly what I'd want to do with it right now but it's definitely helps me sleep a little bit better. At night, you know, I'm, I'm going to pursue a pro hockey dream and I can have that in my back pocket.
1: So wh- have you had any bites yet or any angles or avenues you plan to go like after university then with the hockey? Have you had any interest from any teams at all or not yet? It's. I guess I wouldn't call it like low key, but it's just one of those things where, you know, one, once
0: I decide that pro is the route that I'm going to go, like most likely be playing another year for university hockey, once that's. On the go, then work with your agent to start narrowing down some teams and stuff like that. So it's not really a, a huge conversation that we've been having right now, but I think it's one of those things where I'm confident in my abilities, and I think that I've seen guys that have you know left our league and and stuff like that that have gone on to play pro. So I think um, it's an opportunity that definitely presents itself for me.
1: And that's amazing. Hopefully, we can see you uh, for many years to come either playing in North America somewhere or overseas. There's like you said, lots of great leagues. I've seen lots of guys. I've had other former OHLers on the show that have gone over to Germany, the KHL, Italy, wherever. There's so many leagues over there now. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, even if it's
0: going over there and and not even playing in the greatest league, but enjoying it and playing pro hockey and getting to travel a little bit too, it's one of those things where it can be enjoyable either way. And obviously, I want to play in the highest league I can over there and make a career out of it. But at the same time, it's just a cool opportunity to say that you you know gone overseas and played as well so
1: most definitely no and it's a nice feeling though that you hopefully after your fifth year of university you can pursue those different avenues for sure Garrett so before we go I got one last question though if you were to speak to a group of teenagers what would your topic or piece of advice that you would give them what's one piece of, of advice you would give them for me and In all the speaking engagements and stuff
0: like that that I did with McFadden's movement that I continued to do, do, I think the biggest point of emphasis for me is just having a, and carrying a positive attitude. Things can get challenging. You deal with a lot of adversity, both as an athlete and just as a human being in general, I always talk about like stuff I was dealing with at the rink. And then I would tell the kids then on top of that, I would I'd be going to high school and I'd be doing all this different stuff. And I'd be living in a new home and all all this stuff. And sometimes you can get a little washed away and all the different things that are maybe not going good in your life. And I think if, for me as a young kid, I realized that if I just channeled the positive attitude and, and tried to draw the positives out of any situation that was going on, I, I could, feel, I just felt a lot better about myself and and about where I was at and So it's a message that I, that I try to tell the kids and then obviously the teenagers too, some days it's not as easy to just be like, oh, this, you know, this happened, that sucks. Maybe this was all right. And have that mentality. Like obviously some days you're just going to be like, oh man, like this today was brutal, but I would say overall, if you can just find that, that space where, you know, that positive outlook is like your first reaction or just becomes like second nature to you. It makes it a lot easier to get through every day. And like I said, not every day can be amazing. You're going to deal with a bunch of stuff that's going to feel like it's dragging you down, but if you can find those little things, just to keep you floating and, and get you through that to the next day, then, and I feel like it's something that like, you should try and focus and spend a lot of your energy on. So yeah, I mean, for me, it, I know it works for me. It might not work for other people, but I think it's one of those things where I tried to stay positive for as long as I could and I still do. And it's gotten me to this point and I'm pretty proud of where I'm at this point. I'm going to keep preaching it and keep trying to convince people that it's the way of the road and if if they listen and it works, then then that's great. I know that I've helped someone overcome some sort of adversity or some challenges. And hopefully if positivity and a positive outlook isn't working for
1: someone, then channel some of the other resources that I would talk about and get some help in a different way. I love that you say, Jake, because there is, it's so true though. You can always find a positive in every negative, And I like that you say that. I, I try to live by those words as well, because there's going to be so much negative out there, but you can always find that positive, that little small piece of positive in the corner of that negative somewhere all the time, I find.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there was, there was, you know, I used the example of me coming in as a first year kid to the OHL. I was a first round pick and I expected things to be on a platter for me. I don't know why. Like I just I I was confident in my abilities back then and I think it was a bit of a wake-up call when I first got to the OHL that it's okay, yeah. I'm playing with 20-year-old guys now that have been around this league for 3 or 4 years and they know what's going on. I'm just a kid. And I ended up in the stands a lot and I just realized like there is positives to me not playing and it's that I get to watch tremendous hockey every night and I get to look at what my teammates are doing out there on the ice and try and figure out what works for them and what isn't working for them and then dissect that at practice and every day I was coming to the rink with you know 10 future NHLers and I had a great coaching staff who had been through it all and and on top of that management staff and it was just like Things were things were bad and I was upset about stuff that was going on at the rink, but there were still other things that I could pull out and just focus my energy on and it just made every day a little bit easier. And that little bit ended up making things tolerable for a year and then being able to get through that and keep a smile on my face and still enjoy my time and not fully (laughs) self-combust on my first year in the OHL and then being able to come back and reset, so... It's like I said. That's says that's you know one of the main stories that I guess I tell when I talk to kids, and, and it's just about maintaining that positivity through any adversity. And that's you know what I do, and like I said, what I continue to do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your insights on that, Garrett. Before we go though, you want to plug in like where they can follow McFadden Movement if they would like to donate, and if they want to follow you and follow your journey too. Where can they find you guys on social media? Sure. Yeah. Our McFadden's Movement social media is uh, McFadden'sMovement.com. We have
0: all our, all our information pretty much up on there. And then Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at McFadden's Movement are relatively easy to find out, say. And then you can find my stuff. It's pretty much just searching up. <laughs> it should pop up on Instagram and, and on Twitter. And I have Facebook too. I don't really use it too much, but that's where you can find me.
1: Thank you again for taking the time out of your day to come on the show, Garrett, and share your story and share a little bit about McFadden's movement. And I appreciate what you're doing within the community to deal with mental health and stuff like that and give back. It's it's amazing to see, man. Thank you again for coming on the show today.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about mental health and a little bit what I'm doing. So anytime I can, it's
1: a great chance. So thanks a lot. You're welcome, man. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too.